Hey, what's up, neighbors? Shua, your resident podcast editor here with a quick note before the conversation gets started. In this conversation, in the recording, there are a couple of audio glitches, two or three. They last about five to 10 seconds at the most. So I'd say bear with us. This conversation on Sacred Yes is so beautiful and so vital. Dan, Alexis, Alexa, and myself, there's some great questions, some great comments, some great uh, nuggets of wisdom here. So bear through those little audio glitches, and we've been praying that you'll receive insight and be blessed and enriched by this conversation. Uh, enjoy the podcast. Hello, Neighbors Church. Welcome to the Wednesday Conversation podcast that we're getting ready to have with you guys. Um, my name is Alexis. As you guys know, I'm here with Dan, my incredible husband. Hey, everybody. And our dear friends, Shua and Alexa. Hello. Hey. We're just going to be continuing our conversation that we started a couple weeks ago on the sacred no. This week, we're going to be doing the sacred yes, which is proving to be kind of tricky. Yeah, it's a little more difficult. Just by way of review, in case you didn't catch that last podcast, and you should probably go back and listen to it. But we were in a staff meeting and um, discussing our values, and the words sacred yes and sacred no came up as a helpful grid to discern, like, what should we say yes to and what should we say no to? And there's this Tozer quote, uh, and I'll just read it for you guys again, because I think it's very profound and very helpful. Tozer, A.W. Tozer, was a pastor from a generation gone by. He said this, The greatest loss man has suffered is not the loss of limbs. The loss of the home, as tragic and terrible as that is, is not the greatest loss some of us have suffered. The loss of loyalty and the loss of law-keeping, all these are losses but spring out of another loss basic to these. These are not the worst losses we could experience. The worst is losing the sense of sacredness. And what Tozer was saying is, you know, sacred means devoted, devoted to a deity. That's the baseline definition of sacred. And Tozer was on to something. He was saying when we lose that sense of devotion to Jesus, we lose everything. And really as apprentices of Jesus, when we lose devotion to Jesus, not only in the majors, but even in the minor things, the little minutia of day in, day out life, when it's not lived out of a devoted state, in a lot of ways, we're missing, uh, we're missing the intersection between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of earth. And the decisions that we make, the things that we say yes to and the things that we say no to, they form our souls, they form our families, they form our communities, uh, they shape the contours of the kingdom into this world. And so sacred is like the perfect word to put in front of our yes and our no. Is this yes something that is in full devotion to Jesus as our Lord and Savior? And is this no devoted to him? That's how we prioritize things. Anything less than that uh, diminishes the contours of the kingdom that we could be bringing into the minutia of our life. And what we are finding, I think all four of us have been finding, mm -hmm. is that sacred yes, man, it's, uh, we're going to use, in, we, we're going to use words like discipline and commitment, <laughs> vow, covenant, all these like, uh, like our culture right now is freaking out with these words uh, because sacred, yes, we are finding to be much more difficult than sacred than sacred. No. Well, and kind of like we talked about, I think we talked about this last time was right now self-care and all of that's really hot. And so in self-care, it's really common to be, you know, 
really emphasizing what we're saying no to. Mm -hmm. And so that feels easier than committing with a yes. And it feels almost counterintuitive, I think, to say this is self-care. It's actually saying yes to something. Is a that disciplined self- yes yeah. is self-care? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, the, the whole treat yourself idea is mm-hmm. completely turned upside down in the economy of God's kingdom, for sure. Yeah. With the whole treat yourself idea, too, there is this um, still self thing that's wrapped up into it. It's easier to, even in treating yourself, there's this focus on self, I guess I should say. Whereas a sacred yes, there is a, more of a cost to it and there's a an otherness about it um, that's different than just treating yourself. Mm-hmm. There's definitely an insidious thing happening with the self-care culture, which by the way, I'm a big fan of. I, I am, yeah, I'm a big fan of what mm-hmm. self-care, self-care culture has brought about as far as mental health, mm-hmm. uh, emotional health, um, slowed down rhythms, mindfulness. I mean, every corporation in the United, major corporation in the United States is now recognizing productivity re- levels rise when you decrease the, the, uh, the intensity of the work environment. So self-care mm-hmm. is really important. Mm. What I've seen though, and what I've experienced in myself is that self-care can subtly morph a sacred yes into a selfish yes. I just need some me time. Okay. I just need a little more me time. I just need you guys to all bow down to my me time to where then self becomes the center of those, of those quote unquote yeses, treat yourself moments Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and the rest of your community and the rest of uh, the rest of your life now orbits around you. You are the sun that is at the center. And I'm saying this to myself. I'm saying this uh, as a point of conviction and, and, you know, gentle correction. We do want to say up front with this conversation we pray that the Spirit appropriates these words and uses them gently and carefully because all of us are dealing with such a guilt complex constantly and a shame complex, especially in the Christian community. But what we are going to bring up um, is the, a real negligence in Western Christianity around the commitments and disciplines of, of sacred yes and how those things unfold in our lives. Mm-hmm. We often need these moments of sacred no where we're retreating and we're taking care of ourselves those things are beautiful but beyond that the reason why we're doing that i'd say maybe at the center of like a kingdom mindset is i'm taking care of myself that i might be strong enough healthy enough mentally stable enough to go and love others Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is my main reason for it. You, 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 we are all naturally bent to survive and take care of ourselves. Even the people that um, are naturally giving, you would say like an Enneagram 2, I'm helping, 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 helping. That's actually a part of their ways of self-preserving. Mm-hmm. Like I need to feel needed and so I'm going to do this. And it, it's really another form of like self-preservation. That's so good. It's true. And... Yeah. What God is calling us into is is just another step deeper than that. And it's so beautiful because it allows you to be a full and whole person saying um, your sacred nose to certain things so you can take a step back. Jesus does it constantly yeah. in the scriptures so that mm-hmm. you can go back and encounter people with love, mental health, stability, uh, and the spirit of God. Uh, behind you, like kind of as this force pushing you forward, despite the things that can weigh us mm-hmm. down as well. It takes love yourself 
uh, love your neighbor as you love yourself into a whole new level. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. love your neighbor as you love yourself. And you're loving yourself so that you can sacrificially cross carry for the sake of the other. Um, exactly. That's tremendous. That's tremendous. What's interesting is God totally gave us a way to take care of ourselves through Sabbath. So really, if you're practicing that and you're being committed to that, I mean, what more, what more do you really need other than a full day off? You know, I mean, everyone's individual and unique and needs things in different seasons, but you know, if there's obedience there, then there is opportunity and freedom. And there's like this wholeness that comes where you can give in the rest of your life, you know, and it's not even necessarily like I'm giving to all these other people. Mm -hmm. First and foremost, it's the sacred yes to Jesus, to his way. And, um, whether that be through prayer or anything else, you know, it does require something of us. I love that. Yeah. And the balancing point in what's happening in the Christian culture right now, you know, Sabbath is in the air, silence and solitude is in the air, which we're, the four of us are absolutely mm-hmm. committed to these intentional uh, practices. The words that still seem to trigger, at least me, are words like obedience. Mm-hmm. Um, like associating those with obedience uh, as an Enneagram A, I'm like, no, 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 no. no. But <laughs> I don't want to be controlled by an authority. Mm-hmm. Um, things like discipline, these are, they are disciplines. And so in a in a church culture that really caters to and has created, it's our own fault. We've created this kind of consumer mentality of Christianity. We try to avoid the words of discipline and obedience, but sacred yes, the root, the the fountainhead of sacred yes, is disciplined obedience. It's a it's a Shua, you were saying it's a responsibility within Christian spirituality at some point. I've been reading this book um, prescribed by Dan uh, uh, Edwin Friedman. And it's been really, um, I feel like... You're talking you're re- about failure of nerve? Failure of nerve. Yeah. Um, and it's really, I feel like it's being formative for me right now. Like, I feel like it's one of those books as I'm reading, I'm like, oh man, I think I'm going to remember this. And um, he's talking about um, the self-differentiated leader, the person that kind of, despite the chaos, anxiety that's swirling around us, and this is the moment we're in right now, for example, with COVID pandemic, uh, uh, the election cycle that just happened and is kind of still <laughs> in the air, all of these things. And a person kind of that is um, in the middle of all that, but has that's not clouded, like their vision isn't clouded by all of those things. They kind of stand up in the middle of it and they're a presence of peace. Their very mm-hmm. presence kind of can shift the atmosphere of it all. And in that, talking about the cultural moment we're in where it's everything is leaning towards maximum voice like my opinion it matters it's like the highest thing it's like bible uh, dan mm-hmm. joked right before we started recording the, the, the book of first opinions like it's bible <laughs> um and, and but that also comes with minimum responsibility like mm-hmm. i want everyone to have to hear what i'm saying you have to listen to me but my action thereafter, my yes thereafter is going to be minimum. I, I, don't, I don't feel like that. Or I need to just kind of do some work taking care of myself instead of... Yeah. It's almost a, a, a follow-through that could happen in these things that we're saying, in these opinions that we hold. But uh, the world we're surrounded in right now, especially with the internet, where 
everything is an intangible. It's all words and pictures and phrases. And then you don't necessarily know how to carry that over into our real lives. But God is actually calling us in that to be counter-cultural. It's literally like counter-cultural dedication um, to things because you look around you and a lot of people aren't necessary in the in their lives, in the details of their lives. How are you living dedicated to being mm-hmm. different than the world around us? And right. Jesus is actually calling us into this. And mm. there's a bunch of different ways that uh, we can live that out. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, even though it's difficult, this this decision the decisions we make, and we're going to get to some concrete stuff. Like, what are you? What are some non-negotiable sacred yeses? But really, when we think about the heart of our Father, His heart for us is our greatest happiness, our highest flourishing. Mm-hmm. And so, sacred yeses are an invitation into that. It was Saint Ignatius who said, "Sin is our utter unbelief that God has our highest happiness in His heart." And so God literally holds out to us, opens the door for our souls and invites us in through the process of sacred yes into communion with him and into a deeper union with him. So it's an invitation in a lot of ways. I love that idea of invitation, um, the invitation of a sacred yes. Because when you distill it all down, you know, even when in just my own thought process over meditating over this conversation, I realized that delight is an invitation is one is like something that comes with the invitation of a sacred yes. And it makes it to where we're able to really enjoy um, people and activities that we've committed to. And so this, when we say yes, when we commit with our yes, we're invited into this thing of delight and with one another and in what with, with what we're doing as well. We have this invitation to unpressure time when we're, going into the invitation where when we're entering the invitation of a sacred yes. And so wisely committing to things, you know, sacredly saying yes to something is actually going to give us more time and space to truly enjoy the beauty that's around us and mm-hmm. to actually take time and be like, wow, I'm really enjoying these relationships because I have time and I'm not feeling hurried um, because I've wisely and sacredly committed to something as well. I think creativity is part of the invitation of a sacred yes. When we're constantly um, filling our calendars and there's nothing sacred about what we're doing, we're just saying yes to everything or we're not committing ourselves to anything because we're just like, I got to take care of myself. I'm so done of, I'm so done with saying yes to everything that I'm going to utterly swing to yeah, the other direction. pendulum swing. Mm-hmm. Um, we lose creativity and all of us, you don't have to be an incredible singer and songwriter to be creative. All of us are created to have creativity and to um, express that. And so um, we need unpressured time to be able to have that creativity flow out of us. And we need a sacred yes to actually imagine and to create and to explore um, avenues of contribution that otherwise gets stifled um, with this pressured time. You know, something's coming to my mind while you're talking, hon, that, you know, um, if we... If God has our highest flourishing and greatest happiness at the center of his heart, that the medium or the the conduit through which that happiness flows is not in a self-focused or a self-centered way where we're the sun around which everything orbits. We're, we're more 
the happiness flows like a conduit when we are um, saying yes to the things that God intends for us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Even though at the front end, we're like, Ooh, I don't know. I don't know. That's Mm going to cost me my, that's going to make me not the sun around which everything orbits if I do that. Mm -hmm. But the, the sneaky thing about God is that it's always the counterintuitive upside down ways. It's always the things that the world says, if you say yes to this, it's going to ruin your life that we're like, well, no, that actually is what makes it great. Mm -hmm. Um, Because it's usually small, insignificant, unnoticed. It's these, these moments of discipline. You had this great quote that you'd brought up. What, what was that that was like speaking to you in that quote? Can you read it? Oh, yeah. The quote from Brother David Steindl Rost. What a great name. Yeah. Steindl Rost. He must be for reals. Um, <laughs> yeah. He says, leisure is not the privilege of those who have time, but rather the virtue of those who give each instant of life the time it deserves. Ah. Ta-da. it's the virtue of those who give each instant of life the time it deserves and that's what i'm talking about with that unpressured time Mm -hmm. um when we're in a good way committing to things we don't have this pressure there's not Mm -hmm. this pressure of that ticking clock just going because we've sacredly committed to Mm -hmm. things when i when i imagine like jesus in my mind as i'm reading through the gospels you see Jesus constantly interrupted mm-hmm. at, at every time. He's going somewhere. He's on his way somewhere. And all these stories that we get of Jesus doing the miraculous, engaging with someone, these conversations that he's had, they're constantly interruptions. And he almost never goes, I just don't, I just don't have time for this. Mm-hmm. Goodbye. Don't you know I'm like trying to save the universe? Here. Mm-hmm. The, and then you have this picture of Jesus. And I wonder in that if jesus was just like grinning and bearing it like uh, like <laughs> upset there was no joy in his like sacrifice and having to was that truly a picture of jesus or in jesus intentionally giving time and space for these moments to happen i imagine actually that there's joy in that mm-hmm. that there's beauty in that and it didn't really seem as though he was like disturbed by all those things. Mm. It, it's like he made exactly you say there was no pressure mm-hmm. on his time, even though if anyone, if anyone in the history of the world uh, should maybe feel the pressure of time, mm-hmm. he's like, oh man, I got 33 <laughs> years to save all of the whole world. But no, that just wasn't his posture. I love what you're saying. Cause it puts, uh, it puts like this macro kind of umbrella over the minutia of, uh, of our life. It's as if Jesus woke up and said, Today, Father, whatever comes my way, I sacredly say yes to in devotion to you. Be it disruption, be it disciples that don't get it, be it uh, little girls that need to be raised from the dead. By faith, I sacredly say yes to this moment in the minutia of my life as I'm wandering about my life. I was reminded of a, something that my spiritual director said to me years ago. He said, Dan, you need to reframe the way that you're living in this world. Instead of being so reactionary, learn to receive. Instead of reacting, just receive what is. And it's been fascinating because 2019, each year my family chooses a word through which we're going to filter the entire year. And 2019, my word was receive. To, to receive whatever comes my way in the circumstances and the daily 
realities of life. You mean 2020, that was I your I mean word. 2020. Did I say 2000? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's because I want out of 2020 so bad. I'm trying. No, 2020, your word was received. It was. <laughs> That's true. So see, some sort of blockage is happening there. It does have more impact. <laughs> it really does. <laughs> yeah. And so I, uh, I literally, all through 2020, um, have tried to live out of this posture of receiving. Mm-hmm. Um, I've tried to receive planting a church in the middle of a global plague. I've tried to receive um, what's happening in our political cycle and the disunity and the social fabric tearing. Not receiving it as if any of it's good. That's not, that is not what Jesus was saying. But receiving it as an opportunity to walk with my father Mm -hmm. and say yes to my part in bringing healing. Mm -hmm. Say yes to my part in bringing a non-anxious presence. Mm -hmm. Say yes to um, these things. And uh, Alexa, you had a really great point on all this that's really tying in with what I'm saying. You do have to sacrifice your vision for the world. Mm-hmm. And you have to sacrifice your control to say yes to these things. Uh, there is sacrifice in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it does require something of us. But to the point of what you're saying, it doesn't mean that it's going to be, you know, grin and bear it. There, there's a gift in that. Yes, there's a gift in showing up. You know, no is full of not showing up. That's super easy. I can do no all day. But saying yes means I have to show up. Mm-hmm. I have to be present. I have to receive, like you're saying, whatever it is that God is bringing across my path today and doing it with a joyful heart. And in that, it's not just you who's receiving the gift. It's your community. It's whoever you're coming across in that moment or in those yeses that will receive the gift. Mm. You know, um, yeah, I just, a ladybug just landed on my hand. I'm so sorry. (laughs) (laughs) So I received this lady. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We're indoors too. Yeah, so that's, that's so wild. <laughs> Jesus, is that you? <laughs> that's awesome. You know, um, well, let's let's turn a corner here. Let's get this out of the the world of theory and abstract, and let's get a little bit concrete. And this is why, um, through the millennia, the the Christian Church has always had uh, a sort of set of prescribed sacred yeses, a sort of non-negotiable set of things through which you prioritize your whole life. This is something that's so foreign to us as modern Westerners. We set up our calendar, usually with us at the center, and that's necessary in a lot of ways. Uh, we set up our money and our time and our, our, the way that we live our life with us primarily at the center, but the liturgies and the traditions of the history of the Christian church uh, what we what we today the the language that's being used is the practices. Um, these practices and disciplines have structured the the faith community in an outward way and provided somewhat of a roadmap for spiritual formation. And so, some concrete sacred yeses that I thought would be really cool for us to talk about. And this is where, again, dear listener. May the gentleness and the kindness and the mercy of Jesus, which we all need, govern your hearing of the following words. Because each of us, again, are struggling with that line between um, condemnation, Mm -hmm. which is not healthy, and correction, which is healthy. Mm -hmm. Each of us struggle. Yeah, we struggle under the the premise of conviction versus um, guilt. 
uh, guilt is actually a good thing. If mm-hmm. if you're guilty, you're Conviction. guilty. Conviction. It yeah. is good. And, like, and and you gotta you, you run to Jesus who paid the penalty. Mm-hmm. Without that guilt, you don't think you have any penalty to pay. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, shame also. Interestingly enough, I know this is gonna sound anathema or just crazy in our in our therapy culture, but shame actually serves a purpose. Shame reveals where we are uh, wrong, where we are off or discolored. And so again, through the history of the church, there's been these concrete liturgies. Um, I love the liturgical calendar of the Anglican church. Um, It just provides structure where you're saying yes through the rhythms of a calendar year. But for us as, you know, modern Western kind of uh, Protestant Christianity, some of those disciplines um, we're re-engaging with things like the practice of silence, uh, a sacred yes to silence, which leads to godly speech. And when I say godly speech, meaning your words are now because you said yes to silence, it forms speech that is a little bit slower Mm -hmm. to lash out a little bit longer before it's actually spoken patience and kindness. Um, The gossip, there's a sacred no to the gospel and a sacred yes to building somebody up. Mm -hmm. Um, Evangelism, something that is completely lost on me, like the traditional form of like, I'm going to share the gospel, the name of Jesus with this human. Practices that we believe have their root or foundation in stillness that actually lead to godly behavior. Stuff like Bible reading, fasting, feasting, prayer. Let's talk about these for just a little while. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about our struggle with getting into the Bible. And the reason I'm bringing this up, I got three teenage kids. I love them. They're brilliant. They're uber wise. They're kind of like old souls trapped in teenage bodies. They're very mature human beings. But lately we've been having the conversation because dad laid down the law the other morning. I was like, no phones until you read your Bibles. <laughs> and that has prompted an ongoing conversation. Let's call it a conversation. Yes. Let's yeah. call it a conversation in our home about legalism, <laughs> legalism versus uh, religious responsibility. Um, what are our thoughts on no phones until you read your Bible as a sacred yes or a sacred no? Oh, well, actually, this is interesting. So um, I've been, I have this rule for myself, usually, um, but uh, when I break it, I, I don't pick up my phone until nine or sometimes mm-hmm. 10. And it usually comes after I've done some sort of reading or meditation or uh, scripture reading uh, meditation. And when I don't do that, it's not that I just feel like this sense of like conviction where I'm like, oh no, mm-hmm. like I didn't read my Bible, like God disapproves of me. It's not even that feeling that, that, that signals to me that I should have done it. It's literally how I feel yeah. internally because what your phone does to you versus what a time of meditation will do to yeah. your soul is just so it's opposite. It's literally opposite. Yeah. Look, opening your day with just like looking at your screen will lead to anxiety, stress, mm-hmm. yeah. um, being out of tune with what's going on in your heart as you just wake up it in the morning. It triggers the alert, actually, the alert reaction in your brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like legitimately. Yeah. And th- and that just, it doesn't lead to the sort of health that you want. Even if you weren't to immediately get up and, r- and read your Bible immediately, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. if you got up and you spent 10 minutes in silence, like mm. closing your eyes and breathing, even that 
w- while it wouldn't have as much of an effect as just getting straight into what God is trying to say to this world through the scripture, it's still better totally. than looking at your phone, even for 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. So for somebody that's saying right now, I don't have the time. It's just too hard. What, what, what is our, uh, I do have a response, but I, I want to close our conversation with it. Um, what are your responses to that, to that struggle or to, to mama bear? She's got three babies. They're all under three feet tall and exert a tremendous amount of hurricane force in her life. What, how, what do we say? She wants to say, she wants to be devoted, but what do we say? Where do we go? I do think, I mean, having three kids myself and having gone through, you know, the various seasons that, um, you walk through raising kids, um, I continue to stand by um, this conviction that I had even when our kids were babies, and that is there is always time. And it's hard because in one breath, you don't have time. Like your kids are literally, especially like little years, how intensively like physically demanding it is. You know, you got to bathe them. You got to brush their teeth. You got to, you know, get them ready. You got to be on the go. You got to take them for a walk, all those kinds of things. So there is that demand of time. So I'm not saying, oh, you have all the time in the world because I know I've experienced it. Like we don't have all the time in the world. But I think that's where there has to be a reframing for the season of your life. And so, yes, maybe. Almost like a mentality thing, honey. Well, it's reframing in terms of, okay, during this season, I'm probably not going to be doing this intensive Bible reading program where I'm like reading five chapters in the morning, like I'm going through the historical books and the poetic books. An hour of Lectio Divina. Yeah. It's like, I'm not going to be doing an hour of silence and stillness. So you have to say, okay, this is the season of life I'm in and there's grace for that season. And so maybe it's during nap time, during quiet time, Mm -hmm. or maybe it's after you lay your kids down to bed before jumping on your phone and scrolling, or I'm going to watch a movie and like chill out. You're like, I'm going to take five to 10 minutes and just read the word because Mm -hmm. the biggest thing that I think Satan does in these situations is he lies to us. And he tells us, um, we actually think scrolling on our phone, like you guys were saying is gonna like bring some life to us or whatever. Whereas the words of God are going to bring us the true life and the, um, ease in our soul, especially Mm -hmm. as a mom with little kids and even parenting teenagers, Mm -hmm. I need to have that equipping from the word and scrolling on my phone on Instagram you know, isn't going to do anything. So I would say to the person who's like, I don't have time. It's like, we actually do have time, yeah. but there does have to be a grace in the season we're in and a reframing of what maybe it's going to look like. And to be okay with that. Like if you have 10 minutes, you know, that you get to spend in the word and you meditate in a Psalm, that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And don't diminish that either. Don't diminish it and think, well, I'm not reading through the Bible and doing some hefty program. It's like, no, but you spend time with Jesus and that's the whole point. Yeah, it seems like there's a level of um, of sort of self-deception that we allow ourselves to live in when it comes to our time management and the way that we think about our time um, and also about the difficulty of things. There's a really famous CrossFit coach that I just love listening to. He's, he's great. He talks about the hardest thing about fitness and health is not the weights, it's not the endurance, it's literally the five minutes before you decide yeah. to go to the gym. So true. <laughs> it's so true. And so too, I think there's this spiritual uh, gravity against us, the world, our sin, 
Um, Satan, there's a very real and personal enemy of the Christian soul mm-hmm. who is doing everything that he, it, they can to push against these sacred yeses to these foundational things like silence that leads to godly speech, like this stillness in the presence of the scriptures. And then here's a big one for, for, our, for our culture, really. And it's the sacred yes to community. And this is something that I have been growing in over the years. This is something that I have been um, really learning myself. Uh, As an introvert, sacred no to Wednesday night community group is, it's easy to get that going in my head. Uh, It's Wednesday. I've already probably put in a 40 hour week in three days. There's this and that going on. I'm exhausted. And so it's easy for me to say, this is a sacred no. I just need a little me time tonight. But I would say maybe one of the most important foundational pieces for the renewal of the soul is that that soul is committed to a community around them within which they are all coming to know themselves in Jesus. And we we simply cannot do that by ourselves. What is... I don't know, a point of encouragement or a point of, um, oh, a point of kind of, a point of push for us that we could discuss around the need for a sacred yes to community. What draws us there? My knee-jerk reaction is just to be like, you you need it. This is not negotiable. <laughs> Period. Done. <laughs> this is a, like this black is and it. white. But I think a more gentle approach is, you know, you have the freedom to pick your people. You know, uh, you really do. And it doesn't have to be a group of 15 people. It can be a group of literally four mm-hmm. that you're like, okay, if I'm someone who is either, you know, specifically in this season with like COVID and everything and mm-hmm. feeling uncomfortable about gathering or whatever that is. Um, okay who are safe people for you and commit Mm. to them, Mm -hmm. say yes to them, show up for them and vice versa and create that space of community for yourself. Um, That's kind of something that I would probably encourage a friend who just has been isolated for the past, however many months and is scared to, you know, for whatever reason of their own. Yeah. Like you, this is more detrimental to you as an individual human for you not to be in any type of relationship and community ongoing yeah. than it is to isolate yourself for fear of a physical illness. Mm. Yeah. And also for the community. It absolutely, yes, so they need you. Are, if you are dedicated to a community of people and that, that, that looks different. So mm. we are in a season where there's um, a lockdown and quarantine and COVID-19, all these things, but th- it just, even with all the regulations, there are so many ways that you mm-hmm. can continue to intentionally connect with people, like to on purpose connect with people, not just like happenstance. This person called me mm-hmm. or I had to go to the grocery store and I walked past this person and I know them and I know that face. And so I'm going to, but your intentionality in that actually matters a whole bunch. Mm-hmm. Not only do you need people for your life, for your own growth, for your, for your, actually for your physical safety, so many things. Um, but you also need it. Uh, they need you. Yeah. yeah. It, you think about the way that humans operated thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago. We mm-hmm. existed in these charts about 150 people. It would just be unheard of to be like, 
I just live alone mm-hmm. by myself yeah. and I survive. It, it's called a hermit. <laughs> back, <laughs> back in the day, it's called a hermit. Oh, that guy, that guy's a hermit. He's like off in the woods doing witchcraft by himself or whatever. Yeah. And it was like this strange thing. But it was strange for a reason because we are actually wired. Yeah. We're designed to be with and committed to a group of people for our mental, uh, physical, spiritual health. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think that the great, um, the great danger and maybe the most destructive thing to the church right now in the West is what I would term convenience. Totally. Community is not convenient. It's not convenient in COVID-19 pandemics. It's not convenient in the social tensions that we have in race and class warfare that's happening right now. It's not. It's, it's awkward and uncomfortable and hard conversations happen. It's not convenient in the political discourse that we're all wrestling with because you have, once you get more than three people in a room, you have three very disparate political persuasions. Uh, it's not convenient. It's not convenient if you have kids. It's just not. It, con- community is very inconvenient if you have kids. Unless you reframe everything through the sacred yes, my kids need this community mm-hmm. and the community needs them as badly. And my political persuasion needs this community to shape it and I need to shape it. And the framework around class and race warfare needs this as an act of resistance. It's, it's, and it won't be convenient. It's sacrificial, as we've been saying. It's a discipline. Um, and, and it's a level of commitment that we tend to think we have more freedom and liberty if we keep our commitments minimal, where actually the Bible talks about the whole meta narrative arc of the Bible is that true freedom is found in total covenantal commitment. Mm-hmm. This is where I wanted to wrap things up. I'd love for you guys to either push back on this. This is literally like a free for all mm-hmm. staff talk with microphones in front of our faces. <laughs> but this came to me this morning while I was thinking about our conversation today. Framing our sacred yeses up in the context of covenant and vow. Mm-hmm. So let me set this up real quick. Vows in the Bible are a big deal. In our culture, we have no clue what a vow is. It's like I pinky swear, which means you break it a couple of days later. It's signing a legal document that can totally be broken. We have no clue what a vow means. But in, um, in oral culture, when you vowed something, that was your life. Mm-hmm. You, had, you had laid down your life on those words. And your well-being was contingent upon the obedience to the words that you had spoken vocally in, in an honor-shame culture. And God, throughout the meta-narrative of the Bible, when a human vows, he's like, okay, that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. You're, you are, you've vowed, do that, right? The other big piece in the biblical narrative around sacred yes is this idea of covenant. God has a commitment to us, a sacred yes to us. And that means that he, his sacred yes to us isn't flimsy. It's covenantal. So we as his people can have no less of a response to him and to his people. Mm. So when we start thinking about sacred yes, the way that I'm thinking of it is like, I guess what changes my mind frame around community, what changes my mind frame around reading the Bible, what changes, and fasting. I, you know I hate fasting. I hate fasting. It's awful. I'm miserable the whole time. I'm not the guy who three days into a fast is like... I saw angels and I was so comfortable and everything was amazing. Three days in, I'm trying not to scream and to say bad words. It's awful. <laughs> and so 
But if I have covenanted, if I have said yes to the practices that my king gave me for flourishing, it's not a flimsy yes when it's convenient. It's Jesus, you covenantally said yes to me. Therefore, this is a covenantal to you, a covenantal yes. Mm -hmm. There's a level of commitment to it. And I guess what I'm trying to get at is it changes my psychology. And so like in a marriage, when you vow to your wife, times are going to get rough. Mm-hmm. Where, not with my gorgeous wife, but in certain marriages, no, I'm kidding. You will definitely have times where you're like, I don't want to be in this relationship. This is very difficult. Mm-hmm. But you have vowed. Mm-hmm. You have said yes. Mm-hmm. Therefore, that is what brings health to the relationship. And over the duration of a covenantal union that has sacredly said yes in the form of a vow, it's at the end of it. Like at the end of all those sacred yeses that you couldn't break because you vowed, that's when you're looking at two 90-year-olds that kind of look like each other, talk like each other. <laughs> they just sit there. They're the cutest things in the they world. And they're, they're literally one. Dear listener, I'm so utterly persuaded that the church is one in the Trinity, but we will not experience that without a covenantal yes to each other mm-hmm. and to these practices. I think I've made my case, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on on this idea of sacred yes and like framing it in the context of I'm vowing to read my Bible this year. Mm-hmm. That's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Is that legalistic? Am I overstepping here? I actually think you're really getting to the heart of obedience and why we're covenanting to do these things. When you talk about how we um, have been invited into this relationship with a covenantal God um, that reframes um, our commitments and it isn't just about rules and um, legalisms that we're adhering to, but it's actually a response to this incredible um, relationship that we've been brought into. And so it does, for me personally, it reframes it. And obviously, like, we're not saying every single decision we make has to have this weighty covenantal, you know, vow to it. We are I'm an Enneagram eight. So yeah. like even deciding to have a cup of coffee in the morning, I'm like, covenanting with my Chemex. The, the universe has to bend for me to feel like, yes. But you know, like we're not talking about that. We are talking though about very specific things of prayer and um, entering silence and being in community intentionally um, you know, being connected in a church, like all those things, those are, um, those are the covenants we're talking about. Um, but it is very different to me. It does reframe it for me if it's in light of our response to the covenant that we've been brought into. Mm-hmm. Mm. I, I think that um, talking about the cost of discipleship sometimes sounds uh, a little contrary to this idea of like, oh, the free gift of Jesus of <laughs> salvation, and um, which is true and beautiful. But also, I think sometimes looking at what God gives us, sometimes more than it is free, it is freeing. Mm-hmm. So if we just say, this is free, um, I'm going to take it, uh, more so than this is freeing, you fail to see that without Jesus and without this covenant to Jesus, you're actually just, you're in chains. Yeah. You're in chains to whatever the world is saying about the way you should see things, about the anxiety that haunts us and looms over us, over to broken relationships, uh, family origin, uh, the way you were raised, or even whether that's beautiful or broken um, or both. You're, you're, You're a slave to it. Mm-hmm. 
I, I don't think there's any denying that. And some people might say, oh, that's the beautiful uh, brokenness of humanity. Uh, okay. <laughs> it, do, it doesn't feel beautiful. These are the things that keep us up at night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. These are the things that uh, bring tears to our eyes. These are the things that hold us back from uh, maybe what we feel we're called to do in this life. And Jesus is actually saying, my salvation and my way of life is going to free you from all of that. And it requires of you this, 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 and this. Mm. And those things even though they might sound weighty, Jesus says it's much lighter yeah. than what, what, what the world has to offer. Yeah, the burden is light. Mm. The burden is light. It, it's, it's not a heavy thing. Mm-hmm. Even though in our human language, we can make it sound like you need to do this and you need to do that. And over the, in history, people have used that to just control and manipulate. Mm-hmm. Jesus, Jesus, purely Jesus and who he is and what he's saying through scripture is not trying to manipulate you to anything. Mm. He's trying to get you back to like your factory setting. <laughs> like I created you to be like this. And in order to do that, you got to do these things. And it's beautiful. It's an invitation. That's yeah, good. That's that is honestly the truest invitation of the yeah. sacred yes. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Man, Lex, do you have anything? No, that was beautiful. Yeah, it's pure this is pure gold. Um I'll close this with this the idea of of covenantal vow framing up your sacred yeses to these core concrete liturgies and traditions and practices as we call them. Um, What covenant means is just like in a marriage, you're going to wake up some mornings and go right to Instagram, even though you covenanted with God to do 10 minutes in the word. Mm -hmm. Um, But the the relationship's not broken. That's the power of covenant. And there's something about being able just to come back to your bridegroom as the old King James would call a husband, Mm -hmm. Jesus as his bride and say, I covenanted to you and here in sickness and in health, uh, I come back to you with this, this sacred yes. Shua, do you know when this podcast is going to post? Is this posted in 2021? This is going to post next week. Next week, actually. So we'll still be in 2020. So, you know, great. What a great way to wrap up the end of the year and um, prepare for 2021. You guys don't be afraid. Uh, over and over and over. It, it is one of the most repeated statements in all of the Bible. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And we really, as a, as a, as a leadership team at Neighbors Church and just for the church at large, we really want to encourage uh, a radical reorientation in 2021. Come what may, receive what comes, who knows? Uh, my hands are wide open. But filter your life through a process of sacred no's things that you need to say no to in devotion to God and things that not only do you want to, in a sacred way, devoted to God, say yes, but in a vow, uh, in a vowed and a covenantal way, I covenant with my God and with my community this year to be more intertwined, entangled in the awkward, uh, more, more contributive. Is that a word? I want to contribute more this year. The reasons for which God made me in a covenantal way, I vow to give that to my community, to my family. And uh, I vow to be in the scriptures first and let those shape my life. I vow, I covenant with my God to spend 10 more minutes in prayer, earnest prayer, silent prayer. And uh, until the King comes, it's these things that will shape the contours of his kingdom in our souls and in our communities, eventually in our cities. And soon and very soon, loved one, uh, the whole blessed mess will be over. And these covenant 
decisions that we have made, yeses and nos, will bear fruit through eternity. It's a very profound and real truth that we can hold on to as we approach this next year. We love you so much. God bless each and every one of you. And we trust that uh, 2021 is going to be a year of renewal and revival for all of us. Shalom, friends. <laughs>